Most of us are familiar with traffic signs to warn us to use caution in certain areas while we're driving. If you are a seasoned driver, then, well, you're probably have seen them all. Or if you're a student going through driver's ed, you're learning all of these signs and they'll be on your test and your instructor will want you to pay attention to them. Some of them are school zone, no passing zone, construction zone. If you're in Richmond and you park in one of these, you'll get towed a loading zone or a no parking zone. If you've driven out in the country, you might have come across a sign that says, slow, church zone. The purpose is obvious. Slow down, there's a church up ahead. This is especially important out in the country when church is letting out or when there's a funeral service. Many of them have cemeteries adjacent to the church building. I remember going to Margaret Jamerson's funeral out in Dillwyn, Virginia, last September. That's in Buckingham County. That was her home church. She's one of our charter members. And Jim and I were in the car traveling. I thought we would never get to Cedar Baptist Church. We even passed another church along the way, and I stopped thinking, could this be it? But it wasn't. Well, finally, after some curves and the road shoulders got tighter and the gravel got a little rougher, we came around a bend and there was Cedar Baptist Church. If you were speeding, you could be in trouble because the church is there on a curve. This section of road out there is an example of a church zone. But one writer presents a twist to this sign that we often see. He suggests that some Christians read it like this. Slow church zone. They may see the sign and think that a slow church is up ahead. A church that doesn't change much. Things should be just as they were. That's a source of spiritual stability. Some might see that and think that church takes care, special care in prayer before it makes decisions. They are uh, people who are, they, they be still and know that I am God people. Not a thing in the wrong with that kind of slow church. But sometimes people, well, they think that church should stay back like it was in the glory days when the church was at its pinnacle. Other Christians might want to make the slow church speed up and change more quickly. Get in the fast lane and let it rip. Have you ever driven out in Utah or one of those other western states that has a high speed limit? Several years ago, our family vacation was out in the southwest, and we drove across Utah from the west side to the east side. The speed limit on the interstate was 80. 
I kid you not. 80 miles an hour. The car shook as I got up to the speed limit, and I felt just kind of strange driving that quickly, and it'd be legal. I think the tendency is for churches to think that they need to get in the fast lane. The faster that we go, the better. Sometimes, however, churches that implement change or try to change too fast run ahead of the will of God and miss entirely what God is trying to communicate. A slow church may focus too much on maintenance and survival and experience a gradual decline and complacency and even to death, but a fast church may be a church that makes decisions based on fad or what's popular or what's the latest thing in church growth and completely miss the will of God too. Sometimes churches like that can be more like a franchise than a local body of Christ. All this to say is that there are churches of all shapes and sizes, all kinds, no two is alike, just like people, and that we acknowledge that we don't want to be slow church and try to keep things as they always were. And we don't want to get in the fast lane and be fast church and try to be a franchise just like the latest and greatest thing. As we seek the future that God has for us as Huguenot Road Baptist Church, we want to do what the early church did, and that is pray and seek wisdom and be in the epicenter of the will of God with Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross and rose from the grave as our true north. In my study of the early Jerusalem church in the book of Acts, I believe they found that balance. They experienced change at an incredible speed. But they navigated it with a posture of spiritual maturity that came only from the Holy Spirit of God. We acknowledged this last week in part one of our series on the early church as they faced all kinds of things that could have caused them to recoil in fear. But because they built a sense of family and synergy, they were not siloed and worked together for a common purpose. They were able to continue to grow and thrive unhindered by fear. And they were, they had an unrelenting commitment to prayer and to fellowship and to love of one another as believers in Christ. These are some of the things that we have to hold on to as the body of Christ as we seek God's future for Huguenot Road Baptist Church. They held on to the core values, and I'll read them again from chapter 4, verse 32 and 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them 
brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. They gave generously. They made sacrifices, and they had a commitment to prayer. Huguenot Road, we have faced many changes since we were formed 57 years ago, and there will be more change to come. Who would have predicted that we would experience a pandemic of global proportions and be mandated to shut nearly everything down but essential businesses, hospitals, and government agencies that were considered essential services? Who could have thought that that would happen? And the way that we as a church had had to change and do things we had never done before, and we're still doing these things. This ripple effect from this past year is not over near at all. But God knows the future. He holds the future, says the hymn. We believe in a God who does know the future, a God that will always provide whenever there is a need. God will never call us to a ministry and not provide the resources to fulfill it. I firmly believe that with all my heart. And our God will equip us with the faith to navigate whatever faith comes our way. I wonder what it was like back in the house church over on Monteith when that initial core of believers was there and the pastor preached from the hallway Uh, the living room on one side and I believe the family room on the other. I wonder what it was like then to go to Bonaire Elementary School where they continued worship. I wonder what it was like back then when people were struggling with their finances to purchase land and to build the Wallace Building on this property. I wonder what it would have been like. I looked at some of our history and saw that many members actually personally signed the banknotes and were willing to give of their own resources in case the church was not able to pay its debt. That's in our DNA, folks. That generosity, that commitment, that faithfulness is part of who we are as Huguenot Road Baptist Church. And now we face all kinds of things today, don't we? Not only emerging from a global pandemic, But this is Pastor Bob's top, it's it's either 10 or 11, yes. I had 10 and then I added one to it. Pastor Bob's top list of changes faced by tomorrow's church today. I I don't have these on the screen, but I'll um, I'll post them and get those out so you you can have these if you really want them. (laughs) But in our world today, there's an overall distrust in religion. I put that as the first one. They're not in any particular order, but I put that one first because there is a tremendous distrust in religion today. Skepticism of Christians, that they're anti-everything and hypocritical. Three, people are too busy and overscheduled to fit church in their lives. Four, many people work jobs on the third shift. Many people work seven days a week. It's different these days. Five, There are all kinds of sporting activities and things that require heavy time commitment uh, with school and clubs and so forth. These are good things, but sometimes 
families are trying to figure it all out and, and something gets squeezed. And, and often it's church. Six, an overall sense that God is not needed to face life's problems today. And there are plenty of other ways people can get help. Just go to the self-help section on whatever browser for books you use or in the bookstore. Seven, a sentiment that church is irrelevant. A lot of people don't think it matters much anymore. I sure do. I believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And he has called us as a church to preach that good news without hindrance. Number eight, the fact is that the church is no longer the center of the community. It used to be. Everything used to revolve around church, and now it's quite the contrary. Nine, there are many other religions that people have to choose from. Ten, polarization in Christianity due to partisan political persuasion. We've seen as Christians become divided over partisan politics and that has caused churches to experience that kind of division and people have gotten out of fellowship with one another. And Bob's number 11, the need for ongoing racial healing and reconciliation. All of these are incredible changes that we're facing today and will face tomorrow as we seek to minister to the people who are around us in Bonaire and in the county and Richmond and around the world. So the question is, what kind of church will we try to be as we face the future? Slow church? Fast church? Or maybe a church that's just right? find that balance. I am convinced that the answer is the first century church in the book of Acts, which was unhindered by change. They faced incredible numerical growth, and it didn't stop them. A shift from temple worship to synagogue to house church, an influx of Jewish Christians from other nations, and cultural language backgrounds. I should say, he Grecian Jewish Christians. So here, the, one of the big problems the church faced was other Jewish Christians from different languages and cultures. There was uh, an increase in responsibilities on the original apostles, the twelve. A shift in the expectations upon the twelve from the church members. There were new problems. There were new people. There were new leaders. There was a new leadership structure. The people experienced change, but they overcame incredible odds because they had a common core, Jesus the Christ. Chapter 5, verse 42. He was their true north. They were completely unified as they did ministry together. In Acts 4.32, you heard me read it, Luke writes that the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that they had any possessions of their own, but they shared everything they had. I want to look back at today's passage and, and see what they did and then make a brief application as we break bread together. 
Chapter 5, 42 gives us a great pattern to follow as we face change. Daily they met together. Daily they worshiped. Daily they engaged with one another. They worshiped not only in the temple court, but also in every house. We've had house church over this past year. This is nothing new. They never stopped teaching and preaching the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Church, when we go to Walmart or when we're at the gas station or on the ball field or in the schoolroom or in the workplace, there may be opportunities for us to share the love of Jesus. We may not, not be able to, to say it in the words we might like, but we can certainly be the presence of Christ and make a difference and cause someone to say, you know, there's something about you. What is it about you that that is just something different? You seem to handle things peacefully. And the door may be open for you and me to share the love of Jesus Christ in a non-confrontational, caring way. All of this in the early church stemmed from their radical obedience and spiritual ministry. They were led by the Holy Spirit. They performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and other people saw this, and they wanted to be a part of what this new thing was all about. And they, as you continue in chapter 5, you'll see that they faced relentless persecution. The apostles were thrown in prison. They were brought before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. Verse 29 through 32 of chapter 5 says they responded boldly and faithfully. Miraculously, they were freed by God's spirit from prison and continued to minister. And when the authorities heard about it, they were like, how did they get out of jail? We need to do something about these people. And then as you continue in chapter 5, the Pharisee, who was one of the most respected Pharisees and teachers in all the land, who actually, if you study scripture, taught Paul, the apostle, when he was young. His name was Gamaliel, and he spoke on their behalf. And he said, listen, there have been a lot of false teachers in the past, and you just need to uh, let it ride. And if it's of God, it's going to be of God. But if not, it will, it will pass just like all the other ones. And so because Gamaliel opened the door with the leadership of the, uh, the religious leaders, uh, the apostles continued to preach boldly the kingdom of God, to proclaim the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. And then in verse 1 through 6 of chapter 6, we see, again, the numbers increased. In those days, in verse 1, the number of disciples was increasing. And then they faced another change. The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. This was a major problem. Growth brought all of these people from different languages and cultures. And the Jewish Christians, the Hebraic Jews, were not friendly with the Grecian Jews who came from other uh, nations, areas, languages, cultures. 
And somehow, the scripture doesn't say if, if it was intentional or not, but somehow the Grecian widows were being overlooked in the daily ministry of food. Each week there was a weekly offering called the basket, the kupa, and that was one way every Friday that monies and foods were brought to the widows. It was done before the Sabbath, and they would have enough for a week. And then to the very poor, there was the tray, uh, the trays that you all received your communion elements today from our deacons remind me of this Hebrew word, um, tamhuai, the tray. And that was where they gave the widows enough food to have two meals a day for a week. So these two offerings were taken. And sadly, there was division. And for some reason, the church was overlooking the new people who were different. And the apostles made a decision and they said, this is not acceptable. And we're going to appoint seven leaders to take care of the administration of the pastoral care, if you will. And they appointed seven men from among the believers. And they were actually from the Grecian background. And they said, we will turn this responsibility over to them. In verse 3 and verse 4, we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the proposal pleased the whole group. There was unity. They faced this incredible change by making a good leadership decision, by appointing other people to supervise the ministry of the care while the apostles focused on the preaching and teaching of God's word. If that is neglected, then everybody suffers. I forget who it was. A preacher said, instead of one person doing the work of ten, call ten people to do that work and free up the one. That's what is helpful in church, that we share responsibility and ministry together. Some scholars believe this was the first move of deacons in the New Testament church. The Greek word is diakonia, and it's the word that's used for deacon later on in Paul's epistles. It comes from the two Greek words, dia and konos. Uh, dia is through, and konos is like dust, diakonia, through the dust, serving. And as a result of this and other ways that they faced change in a healthy way, in a bold way, and kept the priority of Jesus, teaching Jesus as true north, uh, first and foremost, it continued to help the church experience incremental growth. And new leaders were developed, and the church was able to manage its growth. In verse 7, you see that God blessed the church. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests came obedient to the faith. Yes, even some of the priests who were in need came to Christ. And then verse 8, which we'll study next week. This is a little preview. Stephen, one of those early, we would say, deacons, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. God's church was glorified, and those signs were seen by others. And we will 
see how the church continued to experience growth and be unhindered by change. Church, as we continue to celebrate our 57th year of ministry in the Bonaire and greater Richmond region, we give thanks to God for the bold faith of our foremothers and forefathers in the faith. May we continue to live out the legacy of all who have gone before us, that all who come behind us would find us faithful. In a few years, we'll be 60. Can you say amen? Amen. In a few years, and that's a young church. There are some churches in Richmond that have over 200 years of history. We're 60. Let us continually look back to the example of the early church in Jerusalem and learn from them that we might face the future unhindered by fear and unhindered by change. I like the words of Gandhi who said this, to affect change, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. To affect change, we must be the change that we wish to see in this world. Huguenot Road Baptist Church, may we be the change that we would like to see in Bonaire, in Chesterfield, in the city of Richmond, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, in the United States of America, and to the ends of this earth. Church, always remember that God is faithful. God's dear presence is to cheer us and to guide us. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Great is his faithfulness. Thanks be to God. As a reminder of his faithfulness, 